You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm glad you guys are here because today I'm answering one of the most frequently asked questions every time I go live on TikTok, which is, how did you start your business? I have a love-hate relationship with this question. I love this question because I think people's come up stories are really fascinating. You'll notice this when I interview our guests, I'm always asking them, how'd you get started? Like, how did you get to here? Um, and what were some of those early days like for you? Because there's so much to be gained in hearing people's stories of how they even got their thing going. That being said, my story starts all the way back in 2014, if you can believe it. And the longer I'm in business, the more I realize I probably wouldn't be able to start in the way that I did then knowing what I know now and, and in the world, the way that it is now, uh, I think I really hit a sweet spot and was able to learn and grow slow and steady, which is such a luxury and not only a luxury, but a privilege in a lot of ways. And I want to be really, really straightforward about my privilege and all of this as well. Um, So this is going to be an abridged version of the old version of this episode, which is episode number two or three of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. If you scrolled back that far, uh, you'll hear me tell it. And I was listening to it yesterday, and it's quite funny to hear how much my tone of voice has changed um, and my confidence with podcasting has changed, which is another great reason I love podcasting because it gives you such a wonderful opportunity to reflect and to grow. And thanks for being on this journey with me. Without further ado, I'm going to kind of give you a play-by-play of the most pivotal things that happened for me in growing my business since starting in 2014. We got to rewind almost nine years, if you can believe it. I don't feel old enough to own a nine-year-old business, but here we are, um, way back to 2014. And honestly, the story starts a little bit before that. I was always a creative person. I was always crafting. I was always trying to sell things to my friends or go super overboard on birthday presents and birthday parties and loved the idea of like creating my own world. So I think it's in a lot of ways, very innate to my personality type that I would end up in this kind of job. But nonetheless, I went to the University of San Diego where I double majored in fine arts and art history. I love the arts, but was not a painter and was not a drawer. I loved um, sculpture and video were my emphasis and focused a lot on designing for social space and participatory design, I guess you could say. So performance art and different art avenues that were not your traditional painting and drawing, partly because I was really insecure that I wasn't good at painting and drawing. And the other part, because I really disliked the professor that taught painting and drawing at my university and gravitated more towards new media. I had a really wonderful professor that taught video classes and new media art design, which really reframed my idea of what art could be. Uh, and I loved my sculpture class. So both of those things really drove me towards wanting to do more art that people could interact with because I was way more interested in the social experiment of what it means to put people in a scenario than to create art that was narrative based. A lot of my art was really abstract. Nonetheless, I had one class in visual communications with one unit on Adobe programs, Adobe Illustrator. 
And I hated it. I hated the idea of working a computer job. I hated the idea of not being um, expressive with my work or or tactile with my work and was really turned off by the idea of graphic design. We also did not have a graphic design program at my school. So I was kind of like behind the eight ball on what a portfolio school might be or what a graphic design major or a visual communications major might be because at USD, the art department was very separate from the business department. So as an art student, no business classes that I even wanted to take would count for credit. So I couldn't take an advertising class as an art major because it wouldn't count towards my major, which is just so backwards in my opinion. Anywho, I became really good friends with this girl, Cassie, and Cassie had a jailbroken version of Illustrator from her dad, which was on a CD-ROM. And she's like, hey, do you want this? Then we won't have to go into the computer lab to do our homework and you could just download it on your laptop. I was like, yes, I do want that because I'm not about to be Adobe Creative Suite. Even as a student, I was like, "Mm -mm, I'm not into this. I don't want to, but you're going to save me the convenience of having to go into the computer lab. So I had Illustrator on my laptop, was doing my assignments from home, started liking it a little bit more, started learning it a little bit more. And then Cassie and I became really close and uh, both applied for the same job on campus the next semester. Um, this was at the creative zone, which was a, basically a spot on campus for student orgs to come get graphic design services for free. So if you had a club, if you had a sports team, if you were the homecoming committee and you needed posters or flyers or banners or social media graphics, you could come and there's be a student there that would help you. And this was really my first experience of like doing design work for a client and the client being other students. I loved that. I loved the idea of solving someone's problem almost more than creating art out of my own ideas. In a way, I was really motivated by, oh, okay, let's do this kind of style for this kind of poster for the football game, etc. I started posting some of this work on social media, and it was over the summer between my junior and senior year of college that my parents said, you know, you should just start a business. <laughs> and they said it. I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting on the floor in Tahoe. Um, hanging out with my family. And they're like, yeah, you should just start a business. And I was like, what do you mean start a business? They said, you know, just like make an email and maybe an Instagram account and just start, um, start sharing your work. And like, you'll get clients. And I was like, who's going to hire me? Like, I don't have any experience. I have no idea what to charge. I don't even know what an invoice is. And so luckily I have the privilege of very entrepreneurial parents who were very patient with me and showed me what it looked like to send an invoice as a PDF and get payment and send them your routing information or ask for a check um, from a client. And also thankfully my mom who referred me out to her friends and business networks. So one of the first clients I ever got was a company called Premier Inflatables, which was a backyard inflatables company that needed postcards, t-shirt designs, flyers, banners, et cetera, to sell their inflatable bounce houses to other people. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea what to charge. And I asked my parents, like, what should I charge? And they said, well, charge more money than you would make babysitting. And at the time I was babysitting for $12 an hour. So I charged $15 an hour. Yay. I was a student. I was doing this on the weekends in between my double major thesis and loved that on a Sunday morning when my friends were hungover, I could pop open my laptop and make money in my pajamas. That to me was just such a light bulb moment. And I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I'm sold. The next year when I graduated in 2015, I gave myself a raise and started charging a whopping $25 an hour. 
this is when I really started taking the business a bit more seriously. I created a website. I was posting consistently on Instagram. I was sharing my work, um, but I was really insecure about my process. Um, at this time, I found a lot of accounts that I looked up to. So I used Instagram as a tool to follow people that I found inspirational and to follow designers and creatives and agency owners that had the kind of business that I thought I might want to own someday and really became what I call like a sponge for the internet. Um, This is around the same time I started to discover podcasts and binge listen to podcasts, although that didn't really bubble up until like 2017. Um, But I really started to get an idea for like, okay, anybody that wants to pay me for graphic design, like I'm down. Like if you want to pay me, I'll do your project. Didn't have a niche, didn't have a style, was kind of just waiting for clients to contact me. Didn't really have a secure marketing strategy. Um, But in 2016, I got paired up with, through a connection through my family, um, these two women that were running a health startup. It was an elimination diet, whole 30 adjacent startup that needed a lot of graphic design. They needed a lot of social media graphics. They needed a lot of infographics and recipe cards and handbooks and all of these things. So I stayed on with them probably working like 20 to 30 hours a week, again, $25 an hour, working with them on everything. And I learned so much. I learned about creating merch and die lines and the right kind of file types. I learned about creating infographics that were readable and accessible. I learned about creating social media graphics that were shareable and reflecting the brand. And in that process, I noticed that the logo that they had originally had wasn't scaling very well. There are some instances where you couldn't even read the inside of the logo because the lettering was too small. So I kind of pitched them on the idea like, hey, I kind of want to redo your logo. Like, I think I could do it. Um, I suffer from what Elise Myers on TikTok calls the how hard could it be gene of I've never done this before, but like, how hard could it be? Like, I think I could make a logo. So I took like two weeks. I pulled together a full slide presentation about all my inspiration and how I came up with the logo and how it was going to work and how we could use it on social. And here's motion graphics to go with it. And here's what your business cards could look like. And here's how I'd use it with your social media, photography, et cetera, and pitch them this idea um, in my mom's store in 2017 on the TV. And I think I saw their jaws drop. They're like, how the heck did you pull this off? Uh, And that kind of sparked my love of like logo design and brand design. From there, I started getting way more serious about networking. So I had rebranded this health startup for a whopping $300 and then realized like, you know what? I kind of want to work with some different clients that aren't just connections through my family um, because I was feeling pretty imposter syndrome about it and pretty insecure about the fact that like, I wasn't getting clients on my own yet necessarily, even though I was posting on Instagram and sharing about the work I was doing. So I started doing a lot of in-person networking. I joined um, the Chamber of Commerce. I attended BNI events. And at one of the BNI events, I connected with these two guys that owned an agency in Encinitas, their best friends, and to their credit, reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love what you're doing and we'd love to hire you onto our team because we're just two dudes and we think we definitely need some like female perspective on this team, which... I thank them for so much because they really kind of took me under their wing and showed me how they run as an agency. So I got brought on to be a logo designer and white label under their company um, for logo design projects, brand positioning projects, postcards. We did a lot of like real estate related things, um, educational brands. We did a huge project with UC Irvine, the anti-cancer walk which was lovely. Again, tons of opportunities there. Angel Stadium, like 
very cool. Um, and got to do a lot of design work and they handled a lot of the client interfacing. So, um, lucky for me, I got to really be the designer behind the scenes. And I think the biggest thing I learned from them was watching how they were taking my ideas for logos and then putting them into brand presentations that garnered a multi-thousand dollar price point, right? Because at this time I'm charging maybe 400, 500, 800 bucks to design a logo, but it kind of, the buck stopped there, right? I didn't have the architecture or the presentation skills or the experience to really pull that into a fully functional brand. They did. So they'd take um, what I built out visually and then help me create the brand guides and create the pitch presentation to then show the client and charge them at the rates that were more in keeping with other competitors in the area. But that, again, was another light bulb moment for me where I was like, mm, I think I could do that. And at this time, I was really kind of looking for a change. It was 2016. I was working from home. I was my only friend that I knew that worked from home. Uh, it was also the political season, if you remember 2016. I had CNN on all day. I was not mentally in the best place and had what I call kind of like my series of unfortunate events that kind of kickstarted me on the idea of traveling and working remotely. I went to go visit same friend Cassie in her grad school program in London and realized that when you have California clients and you go to Europe, you have the whole day until like three o'clock to yourself before any of your clients wake up. And I was freaking hooked. I was like, this is great. I can go sightsee. I can go all around during the day. And then I can come home in the afternoon and get my work done. And it was the perfect recipe for me. And I was really freaking hooked. I came back from that trip was looking into a few different programs, eventually settled on a group called Wi-Fi Tribe, which was having a six-week uh, group go to Cape, sorry, go to Costa Rica first. So Santa Teresa in Costa Rica signed up, didn't know anyone, got there, was the youngest one there by like five years and one of the only business owners. And at this time, I was like three years into my business and I thought I was hot shit. I was like, ah, I own my own business. Everything's great. Like, I'm sitting in a bikini watching the sun go down in Costa Rica and I'm making money online. Remember, this is 2017. Like digital nomad was a very unheard of term. It was like not mainstream to be a digital nomad. But the best part of going on those trips was I got to meet people from all over the world. I got to meet so many people that had the lifestyle that I wanted of working remotely and not being tied down to any one place. And they were working from their laptops and going to yoga and going surfing and coming back, eating great food and still getting paid and still doing their job. And I was so sold on that lifestyle for sure. So much so that I continued on traveling with them to Cape Town, South Africa in January 2018, then met really good friends traveling with Wi-Fi Tribe, um, went all over Europe with them, went to Croatia with Wi-Fi Tribe, did Yacht Week, if you can believe that, because I'm not a party person, but really started to focus on how I was going to maintain this idea of traveling and working abroad. What I realized at this point, again, still being a binge listener of podcasts, um, was I needed to focus on a niche. And so the best way for me to grow was to actually limit the number of services that I offered and really become an expert. Um, up until then, I was still MKW graphics. I was just offering freelance graphic design. And I was like, you know what? This is good. Like I'm making good money. It's fine. But I was kind of lusting after these like bigger, juicier projects that were branding. Like branding was the thing I loved more than anything else. And I only wanted to do branding. So I decided to start saying no to projects that weren't 
branding. And that was a really, again, big turning point for me and kind of like a light bulb moment of like, if I want to just do this thing, then I have to mean it. Like I have to really mean it. And I have to say, you know what? Like I'm only going to take on brand design projects from here on out. And I'm sorry, I can't help you with your website. And I'm sorry, I can't do your postcard. And I'm sorry, I can't do your business card. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to do your merch collection unless you do branding first. And it's one of the better decisions I think I ever made. Um, That really inspired me into 2019 when I went to Southeast Asia, I went to Bali and the biggest project I worked on on Bali was my rebrand. So I went from MKW Graphics to MKW Creative Co. I really embraced the color yellow. This is when all the branding swapped over and started showcasing the projects that I was most proud of. I think there's a tendency when you're young and when you're inexperienced to show everyone everything you've ever done ever. When in reality, they just want to see that you know how to do a limited skill set very, very well. So instead of trying to show someone everything I've ever made, I really focused my portfolio on showcasing the projects that I thought I did best and how I served the client best and how I solved their problem. At the same time, I kickstarted my own little Instagram live show called Design Live, where I was going live with people that I found inspiring. So I was reaching out to designers and agency owners and artists and creatives saying, hey, I'd love to interview you on this little Instagram show that I started. And basically, it's just a live and then we'll go live in the Facebook group and then I'll upload it as a blog to my website. And I got to interview a lot of people this way because again, it was kind of my hacky version of networking. Like, can I pick your brain? Can I take you to coffee? And in that process, I'd already hired Berta of Berta Wired as a virtual assistant because at the time she had not started Berta Wired, but she was a VA. And in the middle of working with me as a VA, she goes, you know what? Like, I kind of want to get into podcast management. I really think Design Live should be a podcast. I think you should start a Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. And I said, you know what? If I can just show up and talk, and you can take everything else, I'm down. And that's basically how the podcast was born. At the same time, the Facebook group was really growing consistently. Uh, I was getting more projects that felt really aligned. And I started posting on TikTok, early adopter, 2019, really summer of 2019. I started taking TikTok way more seriously and posting the brand design in 60 seconds videos, which some of those early videos got like 300, 600, 500,000 views um, because I don't think anyone was doing them yet. I really kind of had that first to market opportunity, which, which got me a lot of my really big projects for the following years. 2020 was the year I decided to really focus on my team. I was kind of burnt out from the travel lifestyle. I was finding a lot of success with TikTok and with the rebrand and the podcast, I kind of was feeling like I need to just focus on what I'm doing and, and create some goals for myself and not be on the go all the time. So Ironically, January 2020 is when I thought, you know what, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to move back to San Diego and I'm going to start growing my team. This is also when the world shut down, as we all know. So convenient for me um, that everyone was taking their business online. And in 2020, we designed 41 brands in a year, which is ridiculous. Again, the only service at this time we were offering was brand design. Um, This was the year that we worked with Lindsay Silberman, Jet Set Christina, Trusted Travel Girl. Uh, We did all the branding for Hotel Lobby Candle in 2020. Um, A lot of the projects that you see on my site are ones that honestly started in 2020 because they're some of my favorite pieces of work. But during this time, I had such high demand that my prices changed almost monthly. Um, So the service that was in 2019, Bad Bitch Book Club, the first Brandini for $500, by the end of 2020, I was charging... $2,500 
$2,500 for that same service. That service today is now $5,200. So that growth comes over time based on demand. And I definitely should record a whole podcast episode just on setting your prices, probably separate from this one. Um, 2021 is when we started to really learn by trial and error. Uh, as I focused on growing my team, the team members that I brought on were to alleviate me from having to do the things I didn't want to do. And the first thing I didn't want to do was file export an organization. So I hired a junior designer who took my kiss my portfolio challenges and really understood my process to help to kind of bookend the brand design process. So our junior designers on our team, they help with the mood boarding, concepting, and original visual like identity creation. And then on the back end, they help with all the file export, organization, upload, offboarding, et cetera, which allows me to really stay in the sweet spot of the client onboarding. So like I'm kind of like phase one client onboarding, they're phase two, I'm phase three of designing the whole thing. And then I basically give my junior designer, bless her heart, Madison. Now I give Madison the shit show that is my illustrator file where I design all the things and say, okay, make it make sense, right? Help me pull this together. Help me create mockups. Help me give this in a way that the client can use it. So that's Madison. Other people on our team include Cody, who is our business manager, who handles all of the invoicing, the contracts, proposals, intake, CRM processes. I hired her originally to build out my Dubsado, all of those triggered automations, like in the contact form, et cetera, calendar booking links, all of that. And she is a godsend because I, my brain does not talk in that language. And the fact that I can have a discovery call with Cody and say, just got off the phone with so-and-so, let's send them a proposal for this. Can you include these three case studies? And she can do that for me is huge. Like that's a huge burden off my shoulders because it's the thing that I would leave to the bottom of the to-do list every week when it was just me. Even if I had the most amazing discovery call with someone and they were going to pay me more money than I'd ever, ever been paid. The last thing I wanted to do was send them a proposal, a contract and an invoice. So having somebody whose whole job is that took such a burden off of me because it allowed me to stay in the like, yeah, my business manager will reach out to you. And it became so much less scary and so much more turnkey to have her in 24 hours, give them that material of what their next steps would be. So that's Cody. Other team members include Gabby, our content creator queen, our content writer, our brand manager. She does all of the captioning and a lot of the social media management for our clients. So as we started to offer social again, um, which really kind of happened end of 2020 into 2021 and 2022, Gabby came on to take on a lot of that. She's so skilled and so talented. And then video editors. So we brought on Josefina. She creates reels and TikToks based on content that's going for our brands on Instagram and TikTok. Of course, we have Berta too. Hey, Berta, editing this podcast. Um, and we've had kind of a mix and match of team members. Like it's taken a while. And by a while, I'd say like about two years to really kind of settle into this rock solid core team that we have now. Um, and I think we're, we finally figured out like the right size. Um, at one point there were like 12 contractors on my team and now it's down to this smaller controlled group of six, myself included. And it just feels like we have a really solid tight knit. Every person that's on my team is a specialist and they are so good at what they individually do. And my job as the leader of all of that is to make sure that all those pieces and parts fall into the right places. Right. So that was kind of the big lesson of 2020, 2021 is trying to find a way to create services and create offerings for the clients that we love to work with the most. 
So the social media offering really came out of finishing Hotel Lobby Candle and them saying like, hey, can we also hire you to run our Instagram? And I was like, yeah, I guess. But then I had to hire a team, right? And as the more as more clients came through the branding process and were interested in social, I needed people power because I could not do all of those things on my own. And I knew what I was bad at. I'm really bad at consistency. I'm really bad at fine details. I'm really bad at catching tiny mistakes. That I'm a big ideas girl. So having people that complement that skill set and have that eye for the meticulous details and the teeny tiny pieces and parts was so helpful to me because it allowed me to stay in my zone of genius, which was being the idea person. Does that make sense? I think that that also could be topic for its own podcast episode, but nonetheless, we're going to continue. In 2022, I feel like is where we really found our groove in our niche. As my business has grown over time, it has not been like a growth that's like scaling the side of a mountain. It's more of a, you go up and then you plateau and then you go up and then you plateau and then you go up and then you plateau. And it's more like stairs basically, right? So there's this growth and then there's kind of a consistency. And what I realize in the growth part of it is that it is rough and it is messy. And when you're in a growth phase, you're kind of in this brain space of like, we're going to just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And we're going to try really hard and it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be amazing, but we're going to get to a point where we're really good at what we do. Again, back to the pricing conversation. When you're in that growth phase, your rates are going up incremental to demand. So the first, whenever I offer a new service or whenever I offer something to my audience at the beginning where I have no experience, I'm intentionally coming in under market. So some of the first social media projects that we took on were for like $500 a month. That again, that same service now is $2,650. So we don't, you don't get to $2,650 having no experience. You get there from taking on a project for $500 and taking on the next one for $800 and taking on the next one for $1,100 and taking on the next one for $2,000 to slowly again climb those stairs to get to a point where you're like, okay, we're in a good spot. We're going to coast here for a while. This is the plateau. This is the step, right? So you have the growth and then you have the step and then you have the growth and then you have the step. Growing in that way allows us to really fine-tune our process, fine-tune our voice, fine-tune our style, fine-tune our audience, and not be constantly trying to reinvent the wheel. Like I think it gives us a season of business to really like slow down and consider how could this be optimized? How could this run smoother? How could we do this to serve our clients better? And that was really, for me, the experience of 2022 was figuring out like how can we work in a way that's a sustainable income, but also sustainable workload and, and striking that balance between the two, which brings us all the way back to present. It's now 2023. By the time I'm recording this, it's March. Um, we're not even finished with Q1 yet, but our goals again are to kind of like really niche in now the industry that we work with. So in the past, I've designed over 500 logos in the last nine years, and I'm realizing that the brands that I gravitate to and the brands that I drool over are all in the same world. They're hospitality, they're restaurants, and they're luxury product goods. And so I want to really be driving this ship towards those opportunities and with the potential that some of the other projects that we might've taken on in the past are not going to be a good fit. I'm not your gal for real estate marketing. I'm not your gal for medical device marketing. That doesn't mean that I couldn't do a good job. I just know that I can do such a better job 
doing restaurant branding or doing a really great boutique hotel or working with um, a product like Hotel Lobby Candle, right? So that's kind of where we're at is trying to figure out and try and get so, so, so specific on who we want to work for and how we want to serve them best by being an expert in that field. Make sense? So if you know anybody that's looking for branding, if it's any of those descriptors, please send them our way. Um, Again, this is the giant recap. And to kind of tie it all together and circle back to like me talking to 2014 me. So 30, almost 30 year old me talking to 2021 year old me. I want to acknowledge how the opportunities of privilege gave me a head start. I came out of college debt-free. My grandparents paid for my college. I didn't have to get a job to pay down debt. That is a huge privilege. I lived at home for a year and a half when I started and in between every major travel opportunity that I took from that 2017 to 2019, I had a place to fall back on. I lived at home the entire pandemic practically. That is a huge privilege. And to be able to have parents that supported me and gave me a landing pad to be able to live at home and literally not pay rent is huge, huge. And I know that there's not a lot of people that have that opportunity and have that privilege. So again, I just want to be really straight up and really forthcoming with the opportunity or with, with the acknowledgement that my privilege gave me a head start. I don't believe that my privilege negates how hard I freaking worked at this. Like I busted my butt. You guys see me all the time. You see me on TikTok all the time. You see me working on these logos and trying to up level and recording podcasts and putting myself out there. Like, I don't think that the privilege negates my hard work, but it's very hard to acknowledge the hard work without privilege, without acknowledging privilege, without acknowledging that I'm a blonde, straight, white female who was posting super lust worthy, like, travel content and be like, look at me working on my laptop in the middle of a beach on a Tuesday. Like I was that meme. That's like your self-employed friend on a Wednesday. So just know that. And just know that even if you listen to this whole episode of my whole story of how I started my business, that it's fun storytelling, but to replicate it and do all the steps in the way that I did them with the way that the world is now, or the fact that I don't have any dependents, or I didn't in the first year of my business have to make a living wage to get started. I didn't have the pressure of paying a mortgage or paying rent. I didn't have the pressure of like having to pay for my kid's school or, or anything like that. So I want you to acknowledge that as well. And and I don't want to ignore that part of the story because it is so pivotal to how I got started. And it also is really easy to ignore. It's really easy to sit here and be like, look at me. I'm great. I built this great business. Um, I have the luxury of having a really entrepreneurial family. I have the privilege of having parents that encouraged me to start something, even if it was going to fail. I have the privilege of talking to my sister, who's also a business owner, every morning for an hour and workshopping our business problems with each other. Like that is huge. That is a huge privilege. And again, I don't want to negate that in talking about my story because I think it is really important. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you learned something from it. I hope maybe it gave you some ideas or opened your eyes. Um, I think the next episode I really want to record as a solo episode is like all the things I did that flopped, that freaking failed. Um, because I think there's a lot to learn in failure as well. And and as I've always said, and as I've always been with the podcast and with my brand, is like I'm an open book and I am very eager to share. So if you think of an idea or you think of something that you think I could speak well to on the podcast, please drop us a note, podcast at mkwcreative.co. I'd love to hear your idea or your pitch. Um, And I hope you enjoyed this episode.
Don't forget to leave us a review. Catch you later. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time. Music.